Hey, it's Seeking Plum, and I love trees. The bigger, the older, the better. If money was no object, if there were no obstacles, I would live in the forest. But alas, I live in a city and I pine for the trees. I picked up this book and I'm obsessed. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World by Peter Woleben. At least I hope I didn't butcher that. Now, I knew I loved trees, but now, now, there's just so much more to know. I want to read to you the foreword from this book because it just gives you a few tidbits. And wow! We read in fairy tales of trees with human faces, trees that can talk and sometimes walk. This enchanted forest is the kind of place I feel sure that Peter Wollebin inhabits. His deep understanding of the lives of trees, reached through decades of careful observation and study, reveals a world so astonishing that if you read his book, I believe that forests will become magical places for you too. One reason that many of us fail to understand trees is that they live on a different time scale than us. One of the oldest trees on earth, a spruce in Sweden, is more than 9,500 years old. 9,500, can you get that? That's unreal. That's 115 times longer than the average human lifetime. Creatures with such a luxury of time on their hands can afford to take things at a leisurely pace. The electrical impulses that pass through the roots of trees, for example, move at the slow rate of one-third of an inch per second. But why, you might ask, do trees pass electrical impulses through their tissues at all? The answer is that trees need to communicate, and electrical impulses are just one of their many means of communication. Trees also use the senses of smell and taste for communication. If a giraffe starts eating an African acacia, the tree releases a chemical into the air that signals that a threat is at hand. As the chemical drifts through the air and reaches other trees, they quote-unquote smell it and are warned of the danger. Even before the giraffe reaches them, they begin producing toxic chemicals. Insect pests are dealt with slightly differently. The saliva of leaf-eating insects can be quote-unquote tasted by the leaf being eaten. In response, the tree sends out a chemical signal that attracts predators that feed on that particular leaf-eating insect. Life in the slow lane is clearly not always dull. But the most astonishing thing about trees is how social they are. The trees in a forest care for each other, sometimes even going so far as to nourish the stump of a felled tree for centuries after it was cut down by feeding it sugars and other nutrients, and so keeping it alive. Only some stumps are thus nourished. Perhaps they are the parents of the trees that make up the forest today. A tree's most important means of staying connected to other trees is a quote-unquote wood-wide web of soil fungi that connects vegetation in an intimate network that allows the sharing of an enormous amount of information and goods. Scientific research aimed at understanding the astonishing abilities of this partnership between fungi and plant has only just begun. The reason trees share food and communicate is that they need each other. It takes a forest to create a microclimate suitable for tree growth and sustenance. So it's not surprising that isolated trees have far shorter lives than those living connected together in forests. 
Perhaps the saddest plants of all are those we have enslaved in our agricultural systems. They seem to have lost the ability to communicate, and as Wolleben says, are thus rendered deaf and dumb. Quote, Perhaps farmers can learn from the forests and breed a little more wildness back into their grain and potatoes, he advocates, so that they'll be more talkative in the future. Opening this book, you are about to enter a wonderland. Enjoy it. Tim Flannery. So I've only read a portion of this book so far, but now when I see a tree, there are so many things that I see about it, that I understand about it. And it fascinates me because I want to want to consume this information like a sponge so that I'm even more equipped to, to evaluate and observe these trees in my surroundings. So the defense mechanisms, I, I just find them fascinating. So if they can taste, the leaf can taste the saliva of these insects. That is wild to me. And then it can change the way things taste by adding tannins to its birch and its leaves wild, okay? So apparently it can also release certain gases and scents into the air and those can ward off animals. But they only seem like that only seems to drift about a hundred feet or so. So yes, other trees nearby can pick up this message as well and put out the same kind of scent, but they also use another form of communication. It takes a little longer but it's sent through the electrical impulses through the roots. But even a bit more fascinating is it that the roots of the trees have a symbiotic relationship with fungi. So the fungi actually help to pass these messages on as well. Ooh, ooh, this was interesting. Okay, so we know that trees take in carbon dioxide and spit out oxygen, right? Well, some argue that when you burn a tree log and the carbon dioxide that is released then is supposedly equivalent to the carbon dioxide that's released when a tree begins to decay in the forest. And that's actually not true. Because what happens when the tree decays is that there are all these microscopic critters in the crown, in the soil, that eat the leaves and the bark and everything until the tree is fully decayed. But they are then consuming the carbon dioxide that was in the tree. So it goes the, out of the air, into the tree, into these little critters, into the soil. So it sort of, it comes out of the air and it's like it's practically gone. I mean, gone in respect to things like uh, greenhouse gases global warming. Okay, so while there are a lot of similarities between trees, there are also things that they do differently. So for instance, when certain trees are going to have <laughs> babies, <laughs> you know, or their seeds, their acorns, their nuts, whatever, because of their surroundings, maybe depending on their height, the, the type of tree it is, they handle that process differently. Conifers send their seeds out into the world at least once a year. I mean, we see those pine cones everywhere, but deciduous trees, they have a, a somewhat different strategy. So they look ahead and decide, do we want these seeds to, to grow, come forth next spring or in a few years from now? As an example, beech nuts and acorns are both very helpful and apparently maybe delicious for boar and deer. And somehow or another, the trees have concluded 
that if those were available every year, then the boar and deer would come every year and there would be no acorns and beech nuts left to, to sprout. So if they make it unreliable for the predators to come eat the, the seeds, the nuts, then it's more likely that maybe one or a few out of many might survive. The book talks about how different types of trees also deal with things like water. So some trees apparently seem a bit more wise in that they they know when to store water and when to just use it. And other trees, they're just a glutton. <laughs> water, 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 water. And then when you see those, you know in the bark, when there's like a split in the bark and it's wide open, almost looks like a hole, and you're like, what happened there? It's because the tree just consumed so much water that its skin burst. But you don't see a bunch of these on the same tree because then the tree learns. So here's something else. Like the age of a tree, I always thought you only could tell that once you cut the tree down, you could count the rings, but that's not true. Or at least it's not the only way to tell the age of a tree. With a beech tree, apparently there are these little nodes on the branches. They're tiny swellings that look a bit like fine wrinkles, and they form every year, but the branch continues to grow, so you have sets of nodes every so often. So you can tell the age of a beech tree by looking at the number of nodes on its branches. When the author saw beech trees that were approximately three to seven feet tall, he thought that at most they were maybe 10 years old, but then he learned differently. He learned about those nodes and he counted them. And those trees were much older than he expected. They were about 25, even though the trunk was only a third of an inch in diameter. You can't entirely determine the age of a tree based on its height because it will have a lot to do with the weather and the water and the soil and, and all of these different things because the tree adapts depending on what supplies it has, what nutrients, how much sun it can get. And trees can also have growth spurts, so that makes it even more interesting to figure out exactly how old a tree is. Anyway, there is so much in this book and it is so fascinating, but something that was really interesting to me as well was the fact that he says that trees do better in a forest because, and this is mentioned in the foreword I read, because they act somewhat like a, a community, they're supporting each other. When so when one tree is struggling and not getting what it needs, then they supply it to each other. And then there are the fungi that are under the soil weaving together with the trees. So there's this whole massive underworld that is out of sight. So we have no idea exactly what's going on down there. And just to give an idea, like if you take a teaspoon of soil, apparently there are miles, miles of fungi filaments in that. So you mix that together in between the roots and wow, I mean, it just creates this amazing image. I've barely scratched the surface and I've only read 30% of the book. So there's so much more to go and it just keeps blowing my mind. I'm like, wow, wow, how cool is that? If you have any interest in trees or the forest, 
I, I highly recommend this book. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm impressed. Oh, oh, I, I keep thinking I'm gonna wrap things up and then I think of something else. This was so cool. Like, they can actually hear things from the trees at certain times. Like, you can hear the water apparently traveling up a trunk and you can hear the communication between the, the roots. I can't remember all the details, but there is actually, some of it you have to use instruments to hear, but I think the, there was one uh, instance, maybe through the roots, I don't know, it's actually a vibration, you can hear it audibly, like with your own ears. No, no extra stethoscope or any other sort of uh, instrument required. And apparently the ones that you can hear, that has to do with communication of some kind. Isn't that cool? Like you, you, you hear about in fairy tales, trees talking and having faces, but now we can, we can hear them. We can hear them communicating. I wanna go sit under a tree. You wanna join me?